Welcome back to the When I Am Weak podcast. My name is Bethany Sloan and I am your host. So tonight I'm going to finish our series on marriage. Last week uh, I had a guest. Uh, my husband um, was with me and we talked about marriage and um, more specifically about um, Genesis 2.18. And Genesis 2.18 says, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. We talked about that word helper and we talked about the phrase not good from this verse. And my favorite point from last week's discussion was that God described marriage as help before the fall. Eve wasn't Adam's helper because of sin, but was created to be his helper when they in fact lived in a perfect world. Being a helper wasn't created by God to be a burden or punishment, but rather a blessing. A helper for Adam was a beautiful blessing in a perfect garden. So now I'm going to continue on with um, part two of this series. And um, we did discuss this a little bit last week, but I just wanted to um, reiterate this part um, of Genesis 2.18. Often when this verse in Genesis is preached or talked about, it is with the view that this is a general statement. Popular belief is that God is basically saying it is not good for human beings to be alone, so he created helpers for them. Although it is true that it is not good for human beings to be alone, I'm not so sure that that is what God is saying here in this text. This verse sounds more specific and personal to me. I believe God was saying it is not good for Adam specifically to be alone, so God created a helper that is just right for him. You'll notice God didn't create multiple companions for Adam, but just one. This wasn't like The Bachelor. God didn't create 10 women for Adam to date and then decide which woman he liked best. God was the matchmaker here. He created a woman, one woman, who would be the perfect match for Adam. I think it's significant to note, Adam didn't choose his wife. God did. God chose Adam's wife. God chose Adam's spouse. I wonder if this might be where we get the phrase soulmate from. It's almost like God was saying, it's not good for Adam's soul to be alone. I will create for him a mate, hence the term soulmate. The original text uses the word helper, but I personally believe the word helper here is so much more than just the basic idea of helping someone, although helping is a big part of marriage. I think this text is proof that God creates soulmates. That doesn't necessarily mean that God creates a soulmate for everyone. All throughout history and scripture, we see examples of single people who continue to find fulfillment in God's plan for their life, even if that doesn't include a spouse. Like Paul, for example, we we talked about that last week. Paul was single. I mean, he talked about being single, um, and yet he was fulfilled in the mission that God had him on. And that also doesn't mean that 
God only creates one soulmate for one person. There have been many people throughout history and scripture who lost a spouse and then found another while still walking the path God had planned for them. We see an example of this in the book of Ruth. Ruth is one of my favorite love stories. Um, So we're going to talk about Ruth for a little bit. Um, Ruth was married uh, to Ablimelech, I don't know how to say his name, Um, Ablimelech, I think, or something like that. I don't know. Look it up. (laughs) Ruth was married, and then um, her first husband died, and then God provided for her another husband named Boaz. That one's a little bit easier to say. Um, It was the providence of God that provided Ruth with another husband. Just like God was the matchmaker for Adam, God was the matchmaker for Ruth. Just like God provided a helper, Eve, for Adam, God provided a helper, Boaz, for Ruth. Coincidentally, one of the definitions for the name Boaz is pillar. What is the purpose of a pillar? To support something, to support the building that it's holding. The idea of helper and supporting was literally in the name of Ruth's husband. The other definitions for Boaz are swiftness and strength is within. It could be said that Boaz was swift to help Ruth, but not without the hand of God guiding them both. And God was the strength within Boaz. God was the one who created Boaz to be a pillar for Ruth. I love the idea that Boaz was a pillar for Ruth and Eve was a helper for Adam. I can definitely see how God created my husband to be a pillar for me. That word picture, the word picture of a pillar, describes my husband perfectly. He truly is my greatest support. There is another love story in the Bible that I really like um, that I wanted to take a little bit more time reading and digging through. And it's the story of Jacob and Rachel. This account is found in Genesis 29. I'm going to read the NIV version starting in verse 15 um, to to verse 30. It says, Then Laban said to Jacob, Because you are my relative, should you therefore serve me for nothing? Tell me, what shall your wages be? Now Laban had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. And Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful in figure and appearance. Now Jacob loved Rachel, so he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. Laban said, It is better that I give her to you than to give her to another man. Stay with me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him like only a few days because of his love for her. Then Jacob said to Laban, Give me my wife, for my time is completed, that I may have relations with her. So Laban gathered all the people of the place and held a feast. Now in the evening he took his daughter Leah and brought her to him, and Jacob had relations with her. Laban also gave his female slave, Zelpah, to his daughter Leah as a slave. So it came about in the morning that, behold, it was Leah, 
And he said to Laban, what is this that you have done to me? Was it not for Rachel that I served with you? Why then have you deceived me? But Laban said, it is not the practice in our place to marry off the younger before the firstborn. Complete this week of with um, of this one and we will give you the other also for the service which you shall serve with me for another seven years. Jacob did so and completed her week and he gave him his daughter Rachel as his wife. Laban also gave his female slave Belhah to his daughter Rachel as her slave. So Jacob had relations with Rachel also, and indeed he loved Rachel more than Leah, and he served with Laban for another seven years. I think it is beautiful. Um, there's a lot to talk about in, in this, and there's a lot to cover in, um, in this story. So um, we'll just kind of dig through it, but I... I want to get to um, start at the beginning. I think it is beautiful that out of the love for Rachel, Jacob was willing to serve seven years. Jacob was showing his love for Rachel out of his active service for his family or for her family. Um, He was being a helper. He was proving that he would in fact be the perfect helper for her Um, by helping Rachel and her family seven years before they were even man and wife. Um, Jacob didn't wait till marriage to be Rachel's helper. He served first, trusting God would provide him this beautiful gift, even if it meant a long wait. Um, So when uh, we look back at that Genesis um, scripture, we see God describing Eve as Adam's helper. But then if you compare that to this story, we see Jacob living out what a helper looks like. And he served. He was a helper for seven years before he he even got his bride. Like God gave Adam his bride right away. Like he didn't, he, Adam didn't have to wait. Um, they, they were each other's helper right away, but Jacob, he he had to wait seven years for his wife. And in the meantime, he showed that he would be the perfect helper for her. Um, I can't imagine anyone in this generation or culture willing to wait and serve for seven whole years before marrying the one they love. This generation is no crock pot when it comes to love. The vast majority is all about Insta with our Instapots and our Instagrams. We want Insta love. <laughs> that's that's a new app for you, Insta love. <laughs> not uh not a 7-year waiting list. I remember in high school being so anxious to find my soulmate. I was striving to find the perfect man, but it wasn't until I quit striving to find him myself and started praying about it, that God brought my husband to me. God chose my husband for me before I ever met him. And God just wanted me to surrender to his will and to wait for his timing instead of trying to um, manage it myself. 
it really was in the surrender and the trust. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I think Rachel was Jacob's God-given soulmate. But then Rachel's father, Laban, had to mess it all up. Laban was anxious about Rachel's sister, uh, Leah, and her future. I, I don't know if it's Leah or Leah. I think it's Leah. Um, he was anxious about this situation, so he leaned on his own understanding rather than trusting God. Um, I've talked before about that scripture that says, Do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge God, and he will direct your path. He will make your path straight. But how often do we actually do that? Like with especially the big situations, the big um, uh, life-changing situations like marriage. Um, But uh, Laban, he didn't do this. Um, He didn't trust God. He leaned on his own understanding and This is what happens when people don't trust God. Messes are made, and that's what happened here. Laban decided to play matchmaker rather than trusting the match God had already made. God already made this match, and Laban didn't trust it. And the saddest part is that his daughter Leah suffered the most because of it. In verses 31 through 35, it says, when the Lord saw Leah, that Leah was unloved, he enabled her to have children. But Rachel could not conceive. So Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a son. She named him Reuben, for she said, The Lord has noticed my misery, and now my husband will love me. She soon became pregnant again and gave birth to another son. She named him Simeon, for she said, The Lord heard that I was unloved and has given me another son. Then she became pregnant a third time and gave birth to another son. He was named Levi, for she said, Surely this time my husband will feel affection for me, since I have given him three sons. Once again, Leah became pregnant and gave birth to a fourth son. She named him Judah, for she said, Now I will praise the Lord. And then she stopped having children. My heart aches for Leah every time I read this, um, it's just, it's a hard, it's a hard story to read. Um, because Leah, she so desperately wanted a husband who loved her and she never got one. But I love that last verse. I think it's so important to really pay attention to her son, Judah, Um, and what that name means and what his name meant for her. Um, Because despite her disappointment and grief, Leah learned to praise God anyway. Leah didn't have a husband who loved her, but she did have a God who loved her. Leah discovered that God's love is enough for her despite the love she was lacking here on earth. 
Jesus states in Matthew 22 that there will be no marriage in heaven. Why? Because the love of God is enough. Sometimes, well, as I was reading this, I kind of wondered, like, I wonder um, if Leah would have had a husband who did love her if her father, Laban, hadn't gone um, in the way. Like, did did God have a soulmate for Leah and Leah's dad just ruined it or... I don't know, like, he manhandled the situation and then she didn't, like, could that have stopped her from getting um, the husband that God originally had planned for her? I don't know. I'm not God, but um, I know it's just an interesting thought or question to kind of ponder. Like, our actions really affect other people and our God is bigger and greater than our human decisions but it's still so important to pray to pray and ask God for direction and to trust his guidance um I do love how God redeemed this story though um Leah learned to praise God despite her earthly circumstances and maybe she wouldn't have learned that lesson if it wasn't for this this heartbreak um so um yeah the Matthew 22 um talks about how there's no marriage in heaven um because God is enough but um this doesn't mean that marriage here on earth is is bad either. Um, marriage is a, is a beautiful gift from God, and but ultimately God deserves all the praise for that gift. It is a gift and it's a gift from God. And I think that part is really important. Um, it's from God. God created marriage. God gave Eve to Adam. Um, it's, we, we did not create marriage. Marriage is not man-made. Marriage is God-made. Not only should we praise God for the gift of our spouse, but we need to trust God with our spouse. If we are going to trust God to lead us to our spouse, then we also need to trust God to lead our spouse instead of trying to lead them ourselves. Oh, this part is so hard. We are not our spouse's Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit is the one who leads and guides us. This isn't to say that husbands aren't or shouldn't be leaders. The husband is the leader of the home and scripture talks a lot about that. But ultimately, God and all his wisdom should be the one who leads us in any and every situation, just like Philippians 4 says. Our spouse is not our God or our fulfillment of love and joy. Only Jesus can fill that empty place in our hearts. But they are a gift from God. 1 John 4, 8 says, Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. If we want to be better at loving others or loving our spouse, we need to start with getting to know God because God is love. John 15, 9 says, As the Father has loved me, so I love you. Abide in my love. God is love and God wants us to abide in his love. 
But what does love practically look like? Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Abide in God's patience for you. Abide in God's kindness, his forgiveness, his truth, his protection, his hope, his perseverance. These are all gifts from God for us, but they also are attributes of God. God is patient. God is kind. He does not envy. He does not boast. He, he keeps no records of wrong because we are covered by the blood of Jesus. He always protects. He always perseveres. God never fails. When we abide in God's love, and all of the attributes that it comes with. We will be the best helper, the best soulmate, the best lover for our spouse. And if you're single and desperately looking for your soulmate like I was over a decade ago, go to God in prayer. We can be honest with God about our human desires because he cares for us. Pray, tell God what you desire, what you're anxious about. Lay your cares down at his feet and then trust that he will lead you in the right direction. The more time you spend with Jesus in prayer, in his word, in his presence, the fuller your heart will be. So what did we learn from all of this? What's What's the takeaway? We discussed a lot of things um, last week and and this week. So um, here are just some basic things that um, that we learned from all this. We need to spend time with Jesus, who is the true fulfillment of our hearts and souls. We need to pray for our soulmate, whether you're married or not, whether um, you're waiting for God to bring you your soulmate or whether you've already found them, pray for the, for the soulmate that God has chosen for you. Um, thank God for the soulmate God has chosen for you. Trust God with your spouse. Trust God to lead you to your spouse and then trust God with your spouse. Um, And then look for ways to be a helper for your spouse. Um, I'd also add to that, look for ways to love your spouse the same way God loves you. Um, There's been many times where I've looked at Joe and thought, um, God loves him so much. How can I love him close like I can't love him exactly like God loves him because I I don't think I can love anyone the same that God loves um his children um we're not that perfect but how can we get closer to loving our spouse the same way God loves them um God created your spouse and God loves your spouse 
Um, so when you look at your spouse, do you think about that? Do you think God loves my spouse? How can I love them? Or how can I show love to them? Um, the same way God does. So, um, that is the end of our marriage series. Thank you for listening to the When I Am Week podcast. I hope this was an encouragement and inspiration for you. Have a great week.